I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Your Tampa Bay Rays report to Tropicana Field on Wednesday. The first workout is Friday. Baseball is back, but what will it look like with more than 100 pages of player and coaching protocols? How will the rules of the game be different? And what can we glean by the way the Rays have set up their roster? Which players will have the biggest impact maybe starting with Charlie Morton? We've got all things Rays to talk about today with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get to baseball, and we've got some great information for you coming up. A uh, little football news. Shaq Barrett, who we wrote about last week, I remember he had gone on NFL Total Access and was saying that he was, quote, 50-50 on whether he would sign that uh, franchise player tender that the Bucks gave him. Well, on uh, Monday, he was on Sirius NFL Radio, and I don't know what has changed necessarily, except he at least clarified his position a bit, and he did say that he will be playing for the Bucks in 2020, and he plans to sign the tender, which is worth uh, $15.8 million for one year while still hoping to work out a long-term contract because they can continue to do that. That deadline for signing that tender is July 15th, which is coming up, obviously, um, uh, just in a couple of weeks. So don't have to worry about whether Shaq Barrett is going to be with the Bucks or whether he'll miss any of training camp. He says he will not. Um, and, and we've talked about this a little bit uh, when it came up uh, last week, Steve, is that, is that these deals are a little hard to work out right now. I think there's probably uh, five or six players that haven't signed their franchise tenders for various reasons. They know what the salary cap is for 2020. They're not very sure about what it's going to be for 2021 because they don't know, and it's it's probably unlikely they're going to play with full stadiums anyway. Um, remember, we had the news about them tarping off the first few rows and mm-hmm. selling advertising and things like that. But um, I think it's an acknowledgement, at least uh, at least on Barrett's side. And, and he's not – look, he's not happy about this. I mean, he did say – I thought I put everything on the line. I thought I earned it, um, you know, a, long, a long-term financial security. I'm cool with the 15.8 mil, um, but I wanted the long-term contract. And it's it's unfortunate that this happened to him now because I'm quite certain the Bucks would have liked to have worked something out. Maybe they still can. Um, but this pandemic and the uncertainty, like all businesses, of what the player costs will be a year from now is just bad timing for Shaq. And, um, you know, he may not get it at least at the start of, of the season like he had hoped. Yeah, it is a shame. I mean, there's a lot of these scenarios we've talked about. I mean, yesterday we talked about yeah. Cam Newton and being hurt exactly. and not being exactly. able to work out and, and demonstrate mm-hmm. how healthy he is or isn't in that regard. Right. But then you've got players like Shaq Barrett who had one really good season, and it was a great yep. season. And, you know, that's why he's earned the franchise tag. But he wants a longer-term deal, but the Bucks are going, well, the salary cap generally goes up $10 million a year, but I don't think yeah. it's going to next year, and it may not the year after that. And yeah. so the long-term deals you're giving out to a guy that had one really, really, really good season, are you willing to risk it at that, knowing that your player cost may not be your traditional trajectory over the, in the next few years? Yeah, they're projecting they could lose as much as 30 to $50 million per team in salary cap space is the – you know, uh, once, once you divide that up for player costs, because it could be double that. Uh, each team makes about $100 million a year uh, with the full stadiums. And if you can't have that, um, they're going to take it. They're going to take a hit. So all of that's got to be worked out. Probably works out well in the Bucks, uh case, only because they can see at least throughout the year, a part of the year, how Shaq Barrett starts the season. I, I don't think anybody expects him to lead the league in sacks. Um, with 19 and a half or get six fumbles and have all the pressures that he did but he might he might duplicate or come close to doing that and so uh, it gives him a chance at a guy that's 27 years old see if he can do it again see if he's going to be that 10 sack a year guy that they want to lock themselves up uh, with for the next four or five years so um, I'm sure you know given his work ethic and everything look this is somebody that you know played for four million dollars last year and this is this is not insignificant money and he could be franchised again which would pay him probably another 16, 17, maybe $18 million a year from now. So 
Um, the the Bucks aren't going to let Shaq Barrett out of here so long as he's productive and um, everything would would indicate that he's going to be. Uh, and uh, you mentioned Cam Newton. You know, it's interesting, and I've seen uh, you know some people come out and speak about this. But boy, it looks like Cam Newton for all the world is going to be the starter. At least most people project that he is, and he's making barely the NFL minimum. And that's part of the fact that we had this pandemic and and no one knew what his health was, and he couldn't take a physical, and he's coming up to Liz Frank surgery and. You know, all those things, we saw it with Jameis Winston for another reason, um, going in as their third quarterback for just over a million dollars, could make as much as four and a half. I mean, these salaries, sometimes you get squeezed. And so um, for someone like, you know, Shaq Barrett, 15, almost $16 million is, is a lot of money. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. All right, Mark Topkin joins us now. And, uh, Mark, let's start with uh, the breaking news you had a couple days ago when you uh, got access to the 100-plus pages of player and coaching protocols, the do's and don'ts. I would say mostly don'ts. Um, what will be the hardest, you think? Uh, and we got the not not spinning, uh, throwing no, throwing the ball around, maybe having to get their own glove in the dugout. I mean, what, what do you think the players will struggle with the most? Yeah, that's three of them, Ricky. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff like involving the travel and the procedurals mm-hmm. and things like that. But I, I think those things you mentioned are going to be things that are just natural, that are part of baseball. If you've ever had, like we've had the privilege of being in a dugout, especially after a game, and you <laughs> see the, the, the thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of sunflower <laughs> seed shells that are on the floor of a dugout, and, and now you realize how <laughs> gross that was, but... Yeah, I mean, guys not being able to spit seeds, not being able to spit at all, um, pitchers not being able to lick their fingers, throwing the ball around the infield, uh, obviously just as as something as old as the game itself is. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a catcher, I mean, a player who makes an out on the bases, they can't have a player bring them their glove, as you said. No bad boys, Mm -hmm. so you're going to have some 50 or some $30 million players having to pick up their own bats. You think Bryce Harper's going to like picking up uh, the bats if he's the guy who makes the last out or something? How's that going to go So He's not picking up his bat. There's so many, so many things. And and then you get into some of the granular stuff. And, and, um, for example, they're going to go on the road. They're not supposed to leave the hotel. The hotel's supposed to create like a conference room where they're going to serve them food, but it can't be a buffet or good food. It's got to be prepackaged food with plastic cutlery. So there goes the steak and lobster. Oh. And then if you are sitting there together to eat, you can't be facing each other because you might, you know, have some particle Goodness. spray. And, and even like on the plane, if there's there can be two guys in a row, the middle seat has to be empty, but they can't both eat at the same time. I mean, there's just some things that, I, I mean, look, they need to take all of this seriously, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but there's just some things that I just don't see any way they're going to be able to follow them all, and who's going to enforce them? I mean, who's going to walk down the plane and, and tell them, or is this going to be like old school and, you know, back when Don Zimmer played and, you know, the guys were on the train and they went to the hotel and there was bed check, the manager sat in the lobby and made sure nobody was coming in or going out late at night. I mean, this is just going to lead to all kinds of interesting situations. Well, I was I was glad to read. I think I got this correctly, but it, it looked like, uh, and maybe it's still going to be this to some extent. The uh, American Legion rules, where you show up in, in the ballpark in your uniform, but now apparently uh, they they will allow showers uh, in in uh, in shifts. I suppose. <laughs> There's so much to unpack right there. Yeah, in in the story I wrote for the Tampa <laughs> well, Bay Times on Sunday, it was I used this example only because it's so funny, but it's also true. Is just pick on Kevin Kiermaier because he's probably the most recognizable Ray there is. So let's say he's in uniform driving over from his house in Tampa to the yeah. trop, goes through a Starbucks drive through You know the guy or girl working the window is going to turn around saying, what was that dude doing dressed up like Kevin Kiermaier wearing a uniform for going through the Starbucks drive through And it was Kevin Kiermaier. So, I mean, yeah, that's an option. And, and there was initially a rule that they were not going to be allowed to shower after games. And, right. and you know, but put this in context here. I mean, the virus and health and safety is clearly number one, but you'd have guys playing a a three hour game and, you know, hundred degree temperature in New York or Boston in July or August. 
And then you were going to tell them to change clothes and then get on a bus to go to the airport to get on a plane for another two or three hours, possibly. That ain't going to fly too well either, so to speak. So there's a whole bunch of things. And we could talk the whole segment just about the, the protocols and the rules. But, you know, a pitcher has to bring his own baseballs out to the bullpen session when he's going to throw. Uh, they can't be shared. If the coach wants to show him something about a grip, he has to use a separate baseball and just so many, so many different rules and regulations. And I'm surprised it was only 103 pages, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it, there really is a lot of things. And if, if they weren't to shower and do what you mentioned, I guess they wouldn't have to then enforce the windows down on the bus roll because, trust me, they would be down um, pretty quickly <laughs> if, if, if that were the case, um, which is – you know, there, there is. There's just so many uh, things that sound silly on its surface. I'm sure they all have a reason for it, but it's going to be hard to imagine. A lot of the fun is going to be out of baseball for sure, and, and things that guys are just naturally used to doing. And the tobacco thing is not a small – you know, they've, they've tried to ban tobacco. They've done it in the minor leagues. Um, th- that's a big addiction, Mark, as you know, uh, probably for the for the healthier for sure if guys can do it. But um, I guess r- r- double bubble is about all you're allowed to have in, uh, chewing in your mouth. Yeah, you can chew gum, but you can't spit it out either. So I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work. I don't, I don't see the, the polite, gently folded into a napkin maneuver going on in yeah. the dugout too often. Yeah, uh, exactly. But yeah, the, the limitations and the restrictions and um, no, you know, obviously no shared uh, drinks in the dugout. They're going to have to have individual right. bottles. But even like in, in the room where they're going to have food, they can't have a big bottle of ketchup. It has to be the individual packets because they packets, can't pass yeah. that around. So. I, I don't know. Again, like I said, I mean, where I don't know how you enforce it. I don't know how you comply to all this. But the basic rules, yeah. what you said a minute ago, is, is very true. It's not going to be as fun as it used to be to be a major league baseball player this year. And 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 again, I don't, don't want anyone to to think we're making light here. But you know, look, these guys are used to traveling in style. I mean, they roll up to the ballpark in in the old the, the old days pre coronavirus. They roll up to the ballpark, their suitcases in the trunk of their car. Somebody mm-hmm. comes from the clubhouse staff, picks it up. They don't see it again till it's in. If that's a travel day, till it's till they're in the hotel room that night, wherever they're going after that day's game. So they roll into the trop, they play, they get showered, they get dressed, they roll out of the trop, hop on a bus, takes them right to the side of the plane, hop right on the plane, chartered flight, you know, all kinds of food, beverage, service throughout the entire flight, roll out of there, bus takes them right into the hotel wherever they're going, New York, Boston, Baltimore, Toronto, whatever. And, you know, then they're usually, if it, especially if it was a day game, they're going out for a nice dinner somewhere. Now it's going to be, you're going to show up. You're going to be told not to congregate, not to hang out, play the game in shower and shifts, dress and shifts, get on the bus and shifts, sit apart from each other, get on the plane, same thing, masks on the whole time, get to the hotel, and you're not leaving. I mean, it, it, there's not a lock on the front door, and the hotel's open to other people, but they are very strongly, very, very strongly told to not leave that hotel like I said, the meals have to be eaten in a private room. They can't even go to the dining room in the hotel or the restaurant. They can do room service. They can do you know Uber Eats or something. But it's going to be a very restricted lifestyle. And, and you know, you, these are guys that are, you know, 22, 23, 25, 27, 29 years old guys who are used to going out, have a lot of money, used to spending it and all those kind of things. Yeah, it, it's uh, it certainly brings a twist to the old Yankees twenty five players, twenty five caps for twenty five players. I mean, it, that might actually be how they how they run around. But how about on the field, Mark? Because you know some of these changes um, have been talked about uh, in the past. They're going to be executed, particularly for this sixty game season. Um, I know prior to the season, even there was talk about you know trying to reduce the number of pitching changes. Each pitcher has to throw a minimum of three batters. Um, you've got the DH now in both leagues, and obviously the Rays will be playing the National League East as well as the AL East. And then uh, the extra inning rule, which I kind of dig a little bit in that Joe Madden kind of cuckoo way. Um, <laughs> you start 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 the runner, you know, uh, at second base and extras, and and uh, that that changes your strategy. So, uh, as far as the way the game will look while it's being played, uh, what do you think will will be the biggest difference? Yeah, I mean the DH in the National League will obviously be a stark difference there. Um, the, the extra inning rule, I mean, how, how often that will come into play in a 60-game season. You know, some years the Rays yeah. play 20 extra inning games. Some years it seems like they play about five. But mm-hmm. really, it, it's very interesting, especially early on when the rosters are at 30, because if you have the room, do you carry, if you have a guy in your 60-player pool, do you carry some super fast pinch runner type? And you sure. put him, you know, you use him, you can pinch run for that spot. When you start extra inning, you put him at second base. You know, and you try to get somebody out there who can steal third. Now you got the guy on third with, you know, 
two chances to get him in on a fly ball and, and three obviously on a base hit. But, you know, this might bring bunting back because you might be in a situation where you want to bunt that guy over to third, the first batter up. So th- this could that single-handedly could change baseball. As far as other rules, you know, there's some uh, other interesting things there. If you're co- if you're holding a runner on, you know, you can do it while the ball's in play. But as soon as the ball's out of play, you're supposed to step back from the runner. Uh, that's a little bit different. You talked about not throwing the ball around. I think another one that's going to be hard to enforce, we talked about the spitting um, and things like that and you know, not getting the glove, somebody bring out their glove. You can't mm-hmm. celebrate at home plate like you used to. If there's a big home run or a walk-off home run, you're, you can't wow. have that mob scene. I mean, maybe there'll be guys with water bottles squirting from exactly six feet away, not a set step close or right, but you can't have those mob scenes, those you know, dog piles at the plate and all the different celebrations we've seen. I think that's going to be a big difference too. And and then there's some weird things like pitchers can't lick their fingers anymore. Yeah. Uh, obviously that was interesting be to, to carry me. a wet rag in their pocket that the umpires mm. have the right to check to make sure it's only water on the rag, <laughs> yeah. not suntan lotion <laughs> yeah. or anything sticky in yeah. there. And, and then the other thing uh, that's going to be a little weird is, you know, they're going to be very rigid in enforcing no fighting. No arguing yeah. with the ump. You, If you get within six feet of someone else because you're arguing, you're thrown out of the game. If you start yeah. a fight, uh, they're, they're talking tough. I mean, the rule that basically says you'll be penalized at the traditional uh, level of sanction, not discounted for the shortened season. So if you, know, you did something mm-hmm. that normally would be a 10-game suspension in a 162-game season, they're saying you're still going to get a 10-game suspension in this season, which is obviously a much greater percentage. So... They're really trying to cut down on anything like that, and and you could see why. I mean, you know, we've, I'm not sure Lou Pinella could manage in the days of social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the arguing of the managers, yeah, you obviously get ejected before you get within six feet. There's no doubt about that. But um, you know, I wonder though, with respect to you know, no charging the mound, no fights, that sort of thing. If that doesn't give the pitchers a big advantage, uh, you know, if everybody remembers the Houston Astros and maybe what they were going to face and may still face. Can you throw at some guys and not worry about uh, the catcher grabbing the batter before he gets to the mound now? Or you, or you might have to worry about the catcher not grabbing the batter. Oh, I, mean, I, I don't know yeah, which way that that's works. Good point. And then the other thing is, if you're a National League pitcher, though, it, it's free yeah. game now because you can hit anybody oh, you yeah. want because you don't have to bat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I think you know, Clayton Kershaw, this might be a very liberating moment for someone like <laughs> himself or um, – yeah. Somebody with the Phillies I was trying to think of, but there's a couple pitchers that, you know, this might be a very liberating opportunity for them. But yeah, I mean, that's a good question is does a pitcher be more, a little bit more bold in hitting batters or does he lose the protection of knowing his catcher might not be able to stop the guy from coming after him? So I don't know, Rick, I, I, I'm not even sure. You know, we might have to see, you know, I don't know. You might ask me after one or two games, we might have to see 10 games to to get a feel Mm -hmm. for just how different the game is. And, and, you know, is the pacing different? Is the attitude different? Is the intensity different? I mean, every game, think about it. You're going from 162 to 60. I think yeah. it's like two point, every game counts like 2.7 times now. We used to talk wow. about, you know, 10 baseball football. games were the equivalent mm-hmm. of one football game. Well, that's five at four now, I think. So it's a yeah. lot different situation. And it, it's going to be really weird. It's a, you almost have to play baseball with a football mentality where every game matters. Yeah, no doubt. It's, that's going to add some drama to it for sure. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, just in, in, I don't know how many discussions you've had so far with players. Obviously, you'll have more access as, as they get into the spring training 2.0 and things like this. Um, but with respect to, you know, there was, there was a couple of players with the Nationals, Ryan Zimmerman, uh, the infielder, of course, uh, veteran player, Joe Ross, the pitcher. Uh, they've opted out uh, due to safety concerns. And look, this is, this is you know, something that's a pandemic in Florida right or around the world, but certainly in Florida is a become a hot spot and we know that there's plenty of teams here um to start and toronto's going to start here as well at least uh they're part of their uh, reporting so i mean how safe do you think these guys feel are there are there you you would you expect and i don't know about the Rays, but would you expect other players to to feel the way zimmerman and perhaps ross have right now i i would think there'll be more i know um at one point during the negotiations when the owners and players were, were going back and forth, it was a little bit ugly. You may have heard something about that or read something. Um, <laughs> there was some threat that there were going to be some pretty big name players were going to pull out. Mm. And I, I think that was more of some negotiating posture, but Ryan Zimmerman's a pretty big name. I mean, the other two guys, Mike yeah. Leak and Joe Ross, you know, and everyone has their reason. And to me, there's a couple dynamics to that. First of all is, you know, there's a bigger name player who's made a ton of muddy, 
ton of money already, maybe he's in better position to say, you know what, I'm, I was sure. supposed to make, you know, ten million this year. I'm only making three point three million this year. I'm supposed to make twenty. I'm making six. It's not mm-hmm. worth it. I'm not going to take the risk. And if it was a super big name, you know, maybe that opens the gates for more guys to do it. But I, I think the other side of that is, you know, a guy of Ryan Zimmerman's stature, who, who's literally Mister National, he's been there the whole time of the organization, is one thing, but. You know, does a, a, a player who's a, a good player on a team, a key guy on a team, but not an established guy, if he starts talking about it, you know, does that does he get kind of shamed in his clubhouse? Is there some peer pressure in there like, come yeah. on, man, what are you doing? We need you. We're gonna we're trying to win this year. We got a chance to win. I mean, I know it's only sixty game season, but we got a chance to win. We need you here and you know, you can't bail on us. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of bravado and a lot of testosterone in Major League Baseball clubhouses, certainly in football and basketball and on hockey, I'm sure as well. But you just wonder what the dynamic on that is because guy, you know, they don't have to declare now. A guy can come to camp and decide after a week. Uh, this ain't for me. I don't feel comfortable. I'm not happy with the protocols. I don't feel safe. Uh, you might have some players. There are a couple of big name guys, Garrett Cole and Mike Trout, who uh, their wives are pregnant, and there's some questions that are they going to be allowed to leave and come back. And rejoin the team because they're going to obviously have to travel, you know, away from the the team, the sanctity of the team travel to go home at some point. Assumingly, uh, it happens if they're on the road, and you know, other players may you know have that issue come up here as time goes forward. There's some players who have had previous health issues uh, that have had cancer issues. Di- there's some uh, type one diabetics. The Rays have one, Dylan Covey, uh, who's a non-roster player. He'll be in the Port Charlotte group. He's told the Rays he plans on being there. Uh, but, you know, CDC guidelines are type 2 diabetics, are at higher risk, type 1 maybe. Uh, and, you know, and you have, we just heard today, uh, Bill Evers, who was the longtime Rays coach yeah. uh, here and joined mostly in the minor leagues, joined the Twins last year, got, you know, an opportunity to be on Rocco Baldelli's staff, had a great year. Uh, he's 66. He's had some past health issues, and the Twins told him, and they have another older coach as well, you, you can't come to the games this year. We're not, we don't want you here. We're not going to allow you to be here. It's not safe for you. It's not a good environment. But, you know, you're a guy who's 66 years old who spent, you know, most of 30 years in the minor leagues. And, you know, this is your chance for a season in the major leagues. Just got taken away from you. I'm sure he had mixed feelings on that. 66. Uh, let's see. Bruce Arians is 67. Hmm. Don't tell hmm. Don't tell him about the hmm. Twins coaches. And he's had some health <laughs> issues, I think. Three-time cancer survivor. Absolutely. Yes. And, and yeah. he, of, all the, of all the coaches outside of – um, maybe Pete Carroll, who's I think the oldest, and uh, Belichick's getting up there as well. Um, you know, Bruce is is one that that you would single out as being most vulnerable. So that I read that story with interest because I thought, you know, if they're having those concerns uh, in Minnesota for uh, for Evers and others, um, imagine what it must be in football. But that's we got time for that um, for sure. You know, one of the things, and I might have read this, and if I didn't, if it wasn't in your story, it was it it, it probably was um, at some point, but. The closeness of this Rays team, you know, these guys are not in a bubble. I mean, they talked about that when when all this was was beginning, right? They were going to have the Arizona and Florida type type deal. Um, but but aside from on the road, they're they're going to go home, I, I assume, at night uh, or wherever. And so, the closeness of this team, they're going to have to really, and I know this has been talked about in football too, take care of each other. In other words. You know, if you're going out to a, to a, you know, right now you can't go to a bar, but, you know, a week ago you could get into a mess over there in, in, in Howard Avenue. So, I mean, that's, that's part of it too, because you got young guys and they're not all married. They don't all go home, uh, typically, um, you know, on the weekends or not going to have many days off, obviously, but that's got to be part of it too. You know, that these teams have to be careful. They do. And, and there's, you know, everything we've talked about today, there's kind of a couple sides too, and some, some different dynamics involved. And first of all, the schedule is going to be almost exclusively night games because they're trying to maximize TV ratings at every opportunity. So these guys are going to have, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of days where they don't really need to rush home because they don't have to be up and back to the ballpark till, you know, four or five in the right. afternoon the next day. So there's definitely going to be mm-hmm. some opportunity there. Uh, and, and I think, you know, the lore of going out, whether it's on the road but maybe they can be it's easier to police there because they are at a hotel and and there literally could be people watching them. Sure. But yeah, guys sure. are going to go home after a ball game and you know whether they live St. Pete, Tampa, wherever they live, um and yeah. it, it is their own time. They can do what they want and it's going to take a strong yeah. uh strong ethos basically, a strong culture, you know, in the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh I think what you're referring to is I did a story last week where Tyler Glass now who's the player rep said they've had a That's right. kind of a player-wide group text on this. 
And, and, you know, right. there's been some messaging from a couple of guys and he said most, you know, specifically Charlie Morton and, and Charlie Morton may be yeah. the most valuable player on the Rays this year. If he's the one who gets everybody to take this seriously. And, and Charlie is a smart mm. guy and he's a very, very well-respected guy. He's probably one of the most in baseball, certainly on this team. And, you know, uh, what Glasnow said is that Charlie's been, you know, kind of hitting this theme of, look, we got to police ourselves. We got to look out for each other. We've all got to realize we've got to make sacrifices here. We've got to do this. And, you know, Glasnow said the message that they've been telling everybody is, look, it's home field home for two months. You know, that's the sacrifice yeah. you make for the privilege of getting to play baseball, to get paid for it, to be in this situation. And they feel like they have a really good team, too. I mean, this isn't a team that, you know, we, we had I talked to somebody the other night and said, it was like, let's say you're the Tigers or the Orioles and you start, you're 10 and 30 after 40 games and you followed all these rules. At some point, might you just say, this is stupid. This isn't this isn't fun. This is not this isn't worth it. Why are we going to bother to play these last two weeks? But sure. if you're the Rays, you're looking at this as, you know, sure, it's going to be an asterisk on it. There's no doubt. Uh, and it'd be foolish to not acknowledge that. But there's still going to be a championship one. There's still going to be, you know, a American League East title. There's still going to be an American League uh, pennant. There's still going to be a World Series to be won. And the Rays think they're good enough to do that. And, and you know, realistically, and, and Neander said this, the GM, Eric Neander said this a couple of days ago on a conference call. He said, you know, starting O and O in late July, he said, that's not much different where they were last year in late July. I mean, they were pretty much like dead even with a couple other teams and it was going to be a battle through uh, August and September. Yeah. And it was, and then, you know, it was a thrilling couple months of the season. I mean, that game at Dodger stadium, I still think it was one of the most exciting rigs, regular season games I'd ever covered. And, you know, just just what they did to get where they did last year, you know, that that will serve them well. So I think the closeness, Charlie Morton's leadership, uh, the youth and that, you know, they have the energy they want to win and the experience that they got last year from just going through some crazy stuff, just travel stuff and injury stuff. All of that together should help them and it should create that bond. But ultimately, it's going to take the accountability of guys looking around and, and realizing and, and Rick, guys might be put in tough situations. I mean, you know, just pick, pick a city, pick a player. But, you know, let's just say that, you know, they have a player named Rick Stroud and he's from Baltimore. And you go, they go to Baltimore and they have a day off and you've got a bunch of family that's like, come out to the house. We're going to have crabs. We're going to do this. You know, we'll oh, take sure, care of everybody. Sure. will be safe. Don't worry about it. You know, you can't. Come on, man. You're too big for us now. You're not going to come. you got a whole day off. You're going to sit in your hotel. We'll pick you up. You know, I mean, there's going to be. Yeah. Those kind mm -hmm. of pressures. I mean, we're joking about the guys that are going out at night and you know, looking to looking for dates or whatever. But just there may be just family pressure too. And these, these guys are going to have some tough things that they're going to be able to have to they're going to have to be able to say no to to kind of maintain the integrity of, of what they're trying to do and, and avoid exposure to the virus. Yeah, you know the Rays got off to a really hot start last year. They would uh, gladly sign up for that. What were they like fourteen and four, fourteen and three, yep. something like that, and, and pretty good after sixty games, obviously. Um, you wrote a column uh, about this and, and um, explain to me because I, I, I mean, we know that the, the strength of the organization is their depth and that will come into play at some point, although perhaps not as much in a 60 game season as it would in 162. So yet you're still not going to have pitchers stretched out, Mark. I mean, depth certainly will matter in that area. So are they, are they built for this? Is this, is this something that say, um, you know, they, they can go head-to-head -head with the Yankees and the Red Sox as easily in 60 as they would in 162? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you kind of a, a weasel-out answer here and, and kind of say yes and no, and maybe say the no part first, is that, I mean, if there's only 60 games, ultimately the team that you think has the best players who can play most of those 60 games is going to prevail. So the team that has the superstar players, that has those elite-level mm -hmm. players, probably has an advantage. I mean, the, the, the Rays don't have to play them, but you look at the Angels – and look at the right. star quality they have, and obviously Mike Trout, Otani. They added the third baseman. They've got Pujols. You know, they they've got a really good team. So you know, a team that has those elite level players, you'd think would be the one because of the you know these guys don't need days off. They don't need rest days and all that. But on the other hand, I will say that the depth the Rays have will allow them to weather some of the issues that are going to come up. Guys are going to get hurt because they're playing after three months off and they're only doing three weeks of training and they're playing 60 games in 66 days. So there's going to be guys getting hurt. There's going to be guys testing positive. And if you test positive, you're out of action until you go at least two days without a positive test. So even if it's not a full 14 day isolation, you're at least out for a few days, uh, even if you're asymptomatic. So, 
you know, the teams are going to have to weather these absences. That's where depth's going to be a factor. And, and I, I did refer to this. I appreciate you reading so closely, by the way. Thank you very much. Of course. But I'm an avid I, I reader, the, as you know. The depth <laughs> that they have and the versatility, Rick, but the flexibility in their mind, too. I mean, the Rays do all kinds of weird stuff. So yeah. some of this that we talked about, even some of these rules and regulations, I mean, the Rays are just used to doing things differently. These players have kind of come to embrace that, the opener, uh, the matchup based lineups. I mean, cash getting weird and putting pitchers at first base and Sergio Romo at third base and, and taking out the DH in the middle of a game and, you know, just doing some weird stuff that, that they've done and they're used to it. So I, I think there's a, an ability kind of, they have that free mind. I'm getting a little Joe Madness here myself, but yeah, you know, free right. mind, like breathe through your eyes here, but you know, they've done this weird stuff before. <laughs> so I, I think that flexibility, I mean, they don't have nuclear loose, but they can learn from him. You know, it's going to help them. No doubt. And uh, Crystal Stemler makes a, a good uh, wedding gift in case they have that meeting on the mound. I, I think that, uh, <laughs> listen, I mean, they're going to have to they're going to have to do some things uh, differently just because the season is different. But one of the things that I, I'm not sure how this works, and I want you to explain it to me just a bit. It's an expanded roster. And yet there's what amounts to a taxi squad, right? That's not necessarily traveling with them. Or are there are, is there a larger group? You've talked about a 30 man roster. I mean, who who is in uniform? Who is not but available? And and then what are the boys doing back in Port Charlotte? Okay, so there's a a sixty player pool. Let's start with that, which the Rays picked on okay. Sunday. Uh, included pretty you. much everybody who was in consideration uh, at the end of spring or during spring, and then plus they they took six or seven spots and gave them to some pretty good young prospects. Start with that Wander Franco dude, who probably yeah. doesn't play in the majors this year, but it gives him a chance to be playing because minor league players have been idled for three months also and, and there's no very little chance there's going to be a minor league season so they they put some spots put some guys in the mix but essentially they have 60 players to pick from now mm-hmm. they split it up already 23 are in port charlotte that's kind of the 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 depth squad there those are the guys for the yeah. most part that aren't going to be involved with the major league team they can be but they're going to stay in port right. charlotte there's kind of want that isolation so you got 37 at the trop so let, let's just say they, they pick it from there. So they pick their 30 players out of those 37. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you still have to be put on the 40-man roster. So if Aaron Loop makes the team, he has to be put on the 40-man. Someone has to come off. But you can you have this group of 60 to pick from. And yeah. then when you go on the road, so you pick your 30-man opening day roster. Let's they, The Rays, the schedule that I've seen the draft of or that I've heard about the draft of, they open at home. But they're, when you go on the road, you're allowed to bring three players with you. That's your taxi squad. The idea okay. of that is literally to save a team from having to fly a guy commercially like they've sure. done for all these years. You know, these crazy stories we hear, the Dan Johnson one, of course, in Boston being the, one of the most famous of all. But right. these guys get told at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, hey, you're going to the big leagues tonight. Your plane leaves in half an hour. And you've got two mm. stops along the way, and you're landed in New York at 5:30. Good luck with traffic, kid. You know that kind of mm. thing. So uh, they they are allowed to bring three guys with them. One has to be a catcher, but that allows them, if they have an infection or they have an injury, to they yeah. in theory pick one of those three guys. I would assume one's a pitcher, one's a versatile infielder, outfielder type guy, and one's a catcher. So that if they have any issue, they can activate that guy. So that's what the taxi squad is. It's a little confusing because you have the guys that are like kind of this B squad, the depth squad, they're at the alternate training site. Uh, and then from the overall group, you pick the three-man taxi squad. They don't have to be rostered players, but if they were to be activated, they do. So you're dealing with a 60-man roster, you're dealing with the 40-man roster, and you're dealing with a 30-man active roster. It's understandable why it's confusing. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of numbers you just had here. And they said there wouldn't be math, but I, I wanted to know if, if it then – are you better if you're a wonder if you're if you're a wonder Franco? Are you are you better off? What are they going to do? Are they going to be playing like inter squad games? I mean, how are they staying staying with it? Obviously, they'll be working out, but like, are you better doing that, or are you better up with a big club, even if even if you're not on the field? Well, I mean, he you're if you're not on the active once the season starts, if you're not on the active roster. You go to Port. You have to be in Port Charlotte. You, you can't, have to be in not, Port Charlotte, okay? Except for those three guys who get to go on the road trip. So it's again, is, is right. someone you know, is MLB going to hire someone to to be at the trop and and make sure that you know somebody who was going on the taxi squad on Tuesday isn't hanging out at the game Monday because they want to sleep in St. Pete, make sure they don't miss the plane, you know, kind of thing. I don't think right, so. Right. But, 
But right. yeah, the guys that are on that depth squad are going to be in Port Charlotte. They're, it's not going to be a lot of fun there either because they're not playing other no. teams. They're not doing exhibitions. Right. They're right. just playing inter squad games. They're doing okay. drills and all that. But if you've you know you poked around on the internet a little bit and seen some of these videos that show up of guys that are you know taking swings. I mean, even Brandon Loud taking swings in the garage off his wife pitching to him, and she's a really good <laughs> softball is, player. Kevin Kiermaier telling better. us. His, he had his son's little tykes bat and plastic ball, and his wife, who's a volleyball coach, but I don't think she has much of an arm, was tossing to him, and he's hitting with a plastic bat. I mean, we've seen Great. Austin Meadows doing curls with his dog and then hitting the ball down the street and letting his dog go chase it for him. You know, we've, we've seen all these kind of things. So having, and, and, you know, I've seen some videos from Wander Franco, and, you know, to his credit, doing a lot of workouts, but it's, some, you know, facilities in Dominican are obviously nothing like what these guys are used to here, and they're like kind of playground fields. So, I think the Rays will be very happy to have him. Uh, Taylor Walls is another guy not quite ready for the majors. Florida State uh, product who's going to be down there. Shane Boz is that super talented young pitcher. Uh, just turned 21 that they got in the deal with the Pirates along with Glass now and along with Meadows for Chris Archer. He's going to be in the camp down there. So there's going to be some guys that, like I said, I don't I don't see any scenario where you know a lot of things would have to go really bad for them to be playing in the majors this year. But they'll benefit from being around the coaches, being around the other players. There's some veter- big league veterans that are going to be down there, too, that are on non-roster contracts that will teach these guys you know, just a little mm-hmm. bit of that, how you carry yourself, how you comport yourself. And, it's again, I think, I think it is better. I think it's better to be with the big league team, obviously. But I think it's better to be with the Port Charlotte group than it is to be home. First of all, you're getting right. paid again. You're also getting paid again your actual salary if you're with the Port Charlotte team and the Port Charlotte group. But just to be doing organized baseball activities instead of unorganized baseball activities. Yeah, I, I can't imagine there were any bad habits that uh, that occurred swinging wiffle bats um, in the house. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what what bad bad uh, kinks you got to get out there. Uh, okay, so when you look at when you look at what they've done, then is uh, uh, the breakdown of of what the Rays, uh, who they're going to carry with them. What, what do you glean? Are they, are they, are they heavy in pitching? Is that, is that where they're leaning? I would imagine, or uh, what'd you get from the roster makeup? Yeah. I mean, there, there's 37 uh, players at the trop and 18 of them are pitchers. And, and I could see a scenario where they all make the opening day roster, to be honest with you. Sure. I mean, sure. I, I think that, you know, Eric Neander said, and, and I, I wrote something about this too, in um, Tuesday's Tampa Bay times about, the pitching is going to drive all their decisions. If they feel like, especially starting out with a 30-man roster to play with, because it was supposed to be 26, so you get 30, then for two weeks, then you get 28 for two weeks, then you have to go to 26. So if they feel like, hey, none of these starters are going to be able to go more than two or three innings, we're not going to risk it because we're hoping that they're going to be pitching you know, deep into October. We don't want to take any chances. Sure. They, may care, they may decide to go to a six-man rotation. They may decide to go to a five-man rotation and do what they call tandem pitching where there's two guys basically not not the opener where it's random but actually just schedule it even more than the opener was of all right Yarborough's pitching three innings tonight and Chirinos is pitching three innings tonight this isn't you know subject to the game or the status or how it's going this is how it's going to be and tomorrow McKay's pitching three innings and Snell's pitching three innings and you know they may have to do that then you need 10 guys then you need 10 guys just to be length guys then you still want to have all your bullpen guys so would would not surprise me at all if they open with fifteen pitchers, sixteen pitchers, and, and maybe even as high as eighteen. You probably can't go any higher than that, but that's going to determine everything. And they're going to protect those guys. And and you know, let's be realistic for a second and, and take all the the weird stuff of this year out of it. Blake Snell missed a big chunk of last year and had an issue in spring training, a little flare up. Tyler Glass now missed a big chunk last year and thinks he's ready to throw 110 miles an hour and go six innings. He said on a conference call the other day, that ain't happening. They're going to have to keep the reins on him. And Charlie Morton's a year older and just yeah. came off a career high, and they all pitched into October. So there's a lot of reasons that as great as that pitching staff looks that they are correct in being careful with those guys. So that's going to drive everything. And if, like I said, if they need to carry that many pitchers, they will, and then they'll just have a, a normal size roster of position players. Uh, how does it look? I mean, I think the catching is probably still a fair concern. I mean, it didn't get any better, obviously. There was a transaction freeze, but, you know, how much faith do you have that Mike Zanino is going to rebound after last right. year's horrible offensive showing? Can Michael Perez stay healthy? Uh, he hasn't done that the first two seasons he's been in the big leagues. I mean, the lefty bat, he's got a little bit of pop. He, he seems pretty athletic, but he can't seem to stay healthy. And then you've got two non-roster veteran guys 
Neither one's going to wow you. Kevin Smith is more of an offensive player, not not that smooth defensively, but he hits right-handed. So if, if he's on the team, him and Zanino are kind of the same offensive profile. And then you have a guy like Chris Herman, who's 32. He hasn't played a full season since 2017. He's a lefty hitter. Can run a little bit, can play the outfield a little bit. He's better defensively than Kevin Smith. But, I mean, none, none of those names. I mean, Zanino's got to be the guy, right? I mean, nothing else in that group makes you feel like, yeah, that's a, the group that's going to get a team to a, a championship. So you need Zanino to bounce back. And then the other question will just be how they move the pieces around. I mean, you know, Daniel Robertson, Mike Brossow. I mean, those couple guys that they have that can do a lot of things for him. Brandon Lau is going to probably play some outfield. The outfield is very thick. I still don't know how Cash is going to figure out, you know, which three guys to play out there when you've got Renfro, Margot, Kiermaier, Meadows and Tutsigo. I mean, that's five guys that are pretty much used to playing every day until this point, anyway, in their careers. Yeah, well, they got some flexibility, and that's that's what the Rays uh, are uh, are known for. And, and obviously, Kevin Cash uh, gets paid to figure that out. Uh, the most important question of all the ones I've asked you, Mark, is uh, what's this going to be for you? I mean, you've you've done this from the team's inception. Do you know what you can and can't do? I mean, I imagine you're allowed to go out and have the steak and crabs, I would think, um, if they put you on the road. But you're not going to have access to the clubhouse. I wouldn't imagine any of us will see the inside of a of a locker room or a clubhouse again. So what what are the rules as you know them right now as far as covering this team? Yeah, I mean, it, it's actually just been kind of finalized here in the last day or so. Um, it's going to be incredibly different. I don't know that the average fan or, or listener or reader is going to – think they care that much till they notice the coverage because the coverage is going to be noticeably different i mean mm-hmm. not only you're right not, we're not going to go back in the locker room and i, I don't know that we ever will uh and right. that was the opportunity where you could talk to we we go in the locker room before every game there's an hour mm-hmm. of media access and then there's obviously the post game time but that pregame is where you gather the human interest stories it's where you gather the little tidbits the notes and quotes and the things that i think a lot of people who are baseball fans enjoy because it lends itself to that kind of stuff and it's also where you you get players opinions on things and that helps kind of shape the public opinion of them and it's also you know yeah. I mean, i'm not going to say it's fun but it's enjoyable that's where you can go grab a coach and talk baseball and you learn a lot of stuff i mean there's still something that john flaherty told me the first year of the Rays about how a catcher positions himself at home plate when he knows there is or isn't going to be a throw that's going to be close or not as a little bit of a, a tip off to the runner. Wow. And then just something that stood, you show him the plate. I can still remember where we stood, had that conversation. So all these little wow. things that, that are going to be noticeably different. I mean, that pregame notebook that we kind of fill up with and then put, you know, in the paper and online at tampa.com filled with, you know, here's what this guy says about starting next week. Here's what this guy says about going back to play his old teammates. This guy's going to play in his hometown. Here's how so-and-so's feeling. Here's how Brandon Lau's wife's bakery business is going. I mean, those opportunities aren't going to be there because it's going to be a very, very limited access. We are going to be able to watch the game. We're basically going to come in. We'll be able to watch batting practice and the game from the press box. Cannot leave the press box. Have to wear masks, which is fine. Socially distanced seating about every third seat or so in the press box. Cut the capacity by about two-thirds. Mm-hmm. Be able to watch the game from up there. And then uh, basically flip your iPad or your computer on and do a Zoom interview call with uh, Kevin Cash 10 minutes after the game. So we'll probably talk to him during that pregame session. There'll be a, a window to do a pregame interview with Cash on Zoom. And there'll right. be post-game with Zoom, uh, Zoom with Cash. Uh, and then probably one player, maybe two. And then we got to mm-hmm. be out of there by 90 minutes after the last interview. So there'll be days where you, you ask wow. me how this will be for me. It'll be ridiculously crazy because there will be a game yeah. where I will end up. The interviews will drag on. It'll be a complicated game trying to dissect everything. And it'll be a matter of trying to transcribe those interviews, get that story written and realize my 90 minutes is up and probably rushing, throwing everything in my bag and rushing to our office and going there because it's Goodness. 10 minutes from the trop because I don't I won't have time to get home to make deadline. And it's going to be mm. different. It's going to be weird. I, I think the biggest thing that, that's going to be noticeable in the coverage is just the lack of the personality stuff because, you know, like you've done these, I've done these, Steve's done these. I mean, Guys on a Zoom call, I mean, a couple guys are getting more comfortable with it, but it, it doesn't, it's not the same. And you, right. you don't have the ability to talk to, you know, here's the other thing, like, Rick, on a, on a normal day, I mean, especially on the road where there's only a couple of media in there, I mean, there's 20, there have been the past years, there have been 25 active players, seven coaches, eight coaches, and the manager. So what, what, whatever, 33, 34 people in uniform. I would say on, on an average 
you know, night game where there's a full interview, you know, that full hour of pregame time. Plus then you go out on the field and you watch batting practice and you talk to people out there. I probably talked to 25 to 30 of those 37 people, wow. those 35 people, 33 people, whatever it is. So two thirds, three fourths of them, even if it's just a matter of saying, Hey, how's it going? Or, Hey, I want to talk to you for a story, you know, next week. And can, can we set something up for Tuesday, you know, or, Hey, you know, anybody says you went to college here, you have still any friends in town, whatever it is, but you know, that, that opportunity isn't going to be there. And, and that's what's going to be missing, I think, from our coverage. The other question is, after a game, let's say they lose, let's say there's a little bit of controversy. We're at the subject of the team PR department bringing a player yeah. to, to do that Zoom call, of getting them to do it. If a player is mad or they struck out, made the last out, they, they felt like they mm-hmm. got you know, jobbed by the umpire, they're not going to be at, you know, you're not waiting at their locker knowing they have to come out at some point. They're going to say they don't want to do an interview, and that's going to be the end of it. So, you know, they, that accountability issue of, you know, you could always wait for a player at his locker. He's got to come get dressed at some point. You know, that kind of approach that you have when you cover a sport, you know, a nightly sport, probably a little different in football. But, you know, it's, you just wait. At some point, they got to come out. Well, that, that won't be there anymore either. Yeah, the clock will be ticking uh, as, you're, as you're waiting, too, uh, to see if, the, if that's a, a go or not. So there's going to be a lot. But the cream always rises, Mark. And because of your relationships and your incredible phone book, I guess they call these things. Uh, what do they call them on the on the phones now? I guess contact uh, your contacts. Contact list is that what they call the kids call them yeah. now? <laughs> yes. Um, since you've done away with your black book, uh, you got the contacts and you certainly have the insights, and that's why people will have to follow you on TampaBay.com and the Tampa Bay Times. He's Mark Topkin, and it all begins, uh, I guess, uh, officially anyway, would be uh, Wednesday when they report the first official. Workout will be sometime Friday morning, and you, you of course, will be at both those events. I sure hope so. Sure, planning on it. I mean, we uh, also there's going to be you know <laughs> okay. there's going to be well there's going to be intake screening for media too. I mean, you know the temperature yeah. check, the symptom questions, and I am a little. I, I've yeah. actually talked to the Rays about this, and this sounds silly, but you you've made this walk yourself. I mean, that walk from the media parking lot to the media gate oh, it's on hot a sun baked yeah. afternoon is not conducive Oof. to your temperature being under one hundred point four when you get to the door. <laughs> no, no, it's not. So it, it, I, you I, could I cook mean, an I'm egg on our heads. I, I'm hoping that there's a yeah. there's like a you know a second chance policy. I mean, if they do the temperature screening and you yeah. pop too high, I, I'm I mean I, right. I, I probably need to clarify that with them, but. I'm assuming that you know you can go stand under a tent or something and have them check it again in ten minutes. That you don't, that you're, it's not a one and done because it, it really would be challenging. I mean, there's some days where that that's about as close as you think of you where you go. I've never been anywhere hotter than right now walking across this yeah. parking lot at three in the afternoon. Well, and and like pitchers, you'll have to carry a, a wet sponge in your pocket to try to try to cool yourself <laughs> down, perhaps. But water check only that if they want to. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. All right, Mark, well, uh, get to it. We uh, look forward to the coverage, and we look forward to baseball. That's the biggest news here today. Yeah, let's, let's you know, like, I mean, obviously it's, you know, predicated on everybody staying safe and mm-hmm. uh, people in the game, the players, the staff, I mean, the front office people, and all these precautions and all that stuff we talked about is only going to come into effect if, you know, they can actually pull us off and keep enough people healthy and safe, which is obviously the number one priority. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it. All right, Ricky, anytime. <clears throat> I'm ready for baseball, man. Couldn't start soon enough for me. I hope these guys stay safe, and I, I hope we have a uh, a full 60 games anyway and then the playoffs. Um, some some great awards that were uh, about to be handed out or were named at least, uh, and starting with Lightning broadcaster Rick Peckham. Um, Steve, you know, going into the season, it's unfortunate that they had this interruption of play. Rick had said and is sticking to it, he'll be 65, that um, this will be his last year calling the Lightning games on Lightning TV. But he got a big honor uh, named just the other day. Yeah, he was named the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award recipient, which means he'll be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, in wow. November of this year in Toronto. Uh, as the He's the announcer this year that goes in. So he's 24 seasons doing play-by-play voice of the Lightning. Prior to that, he spent 11 se- seasons with the Hartford Whalers and then did, uh, I believe, seven years with the Rochester Amherst before that in the AHL. So um, longtime hockey announcer, we are so lucky in this market. We have tons of great announcers in this market, honestly. We do. We uh, do. Across all the sports from, you know, Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore, mm-hmm. the Bucks, The TV guys are all national for NFL, so that's different. But uh, Dwayne Stats and Brian Anderson and Dave and Andy with the Rays. Then you get Rick Peckham, Brian Engblom. You had Chief on, with Peckham for many years and Dave Mishkin and Phil Esposito on the radio. 
I mean, we have such great announcers here, and that's a well-deserved honor for Rick Peckham to go into the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, for you know many, many years of, of great calling games. And he's done a lot of national stuff, too. He, you know, he's done playoff games for NBC for many years as well. Also does a lot of U.S. Open tennis, if you don't realize that. So Interesting. Didn't yes. know that. Um, yeah, and, and uh, you mentioned Dwayne Stats. He was a finalist uh, for the uh, uh, Baseball Hall of yeah, Fame. Yeah, the Ford Frick Award, yes. Yep. Yeah, uh, and uh, was not named, but I'm sure that, that award will be coming to him before his career is over. Speaking of Hall of Fames, uh, our, our late great friend Don Banks, who worked for the then St. Petersburg Times, and of course Sports Illustrated for, I think, 19, 20 years, uh, posthumously. Uh, he died about a year ago, Steve, and it's still – surreal to me uh today mm-hmm. um he had a heart attack uh was with him uh, by by himself in the hotel room uh in canton ohio was getting ready to cover the hall of fame game which would be coming up in a few weeks and um you know he died in canton canton and he will be memorialized there as uh the winner this year um that the um pro football writers and uh, the hall of fame you know award one writer for the mccann award and he will be going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as the winner of that. Um, so for Don and his family, Micah, you know, and his sons, and, and it's just going to be a, a bittersweet honor, uh, one that he certainly is deserving. You wish, um, of course, that he could celebrate it um, the way he, he would with great humor, and uh, and we would be telling stories until the sun came up in Canton. But um, I'm awfully glad that that was the choice that they made. And there's a really nice um, sort of a tribute that Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times, we've had Sam on this podcast before, the great NFL writer of the LA Times, was very close to Don, uh, particularly when they would go on the road covering the NFL as they did, covering the league at large. Um, and so if you get a chance uh, you know, to, to read the Monday Morning Quarterback column, he's um, got a, an entry there about Don and um, some of the things that, um, uh, that he was noted for, mostly his humor and his impressions, which I, I told Sam in a, in a tweet, I said, you know, he brought up the, and he would do, Don would do obscure guys that only we knew, you know, people from different organizations and things like that. And when he and I got together with the Bucks or in the early days, and, and he wasn't here for very long uh, covering the Bucks with me because he went on to uh, Minnesota and then, and then eventually Sports Illustrated, um, man, we would get going and laugh and, and he could do as many voices as I could. He, he had a great ear and he, he could imitate anybody. And it was an awfully lot of fun back in the day, but, um, Pleased as heck to see that uh, he will go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All right, my thanks to Mark Tompkin. Uh, tomorrow's podcast, we're going to have, that's right, my former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute. You love him. You can't do it without him. Tom Jones, Nostra Thomas, will join us on tomorrow's podcast. And then we're going to have, of course, later in the week, our popular mailbag segment as all the sports now starting to come awake and hopefully get back into playing games. So uh, you can get your questions in any time, even though it would be uh, probably for Friday's podcast, but you can do that by hitting us up on Twitter at SportsDayTV. That's at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 